Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode of the 1871 podcast. And I'm absolutely delighted to say that our very special guest for tonight's episode is Reading's all-time top appearance maker and a proper Reading FC legend. It's Martin Hicks. And then just a reminder that on tomorrow's episode, our guest will be Royals goal scoring legend Trevor Senior. So uh, we'll get straight straight into this episode. Martin, absolutely fantastic for you to join us again. You were on series one. So uh, welcome back for your second appearance on the 1871 podcast. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. And, and as I say, Martin, an absolute pleasure for you to be a guest, Reading's all-time top appearance maker. Um, we spoke last time about your, your time at Reading and some of your memories, and we want to do that again on this episode. But if I can start, obviously, you know, big game coming up for Reading on, on Thursday, even though they're not even playing, uh, they could be relegated. What, what's your take, Martin, on, you know, the, the current situation at, at Reading? And do you think it looks like, um, the the drop to League One is inevitable now, or are you still holding out hope? You, you've always got to have hope, um, but it's uh, it's on a on a fine string now. I think, to be honest, um, I went down a couple of weeks ago to the Reading Birmingham game on the Thursday, and uh, that was a draw in the end, and probably a, looking at the game, a probably a fair draw in the end. Um, but it, it, it's it's slightly annoying because. Yes, they've lost the six points for whatever that may be. I mean, I'm not uh, sure what that is or legal jargon, but you know, it really, it's really sad that it it, it, ha- it hurts the players and it hurts most of all, it hurts the fans. And you think, how unfair is that? Really, yes, the club have done something wrong. We all appreciate that. If that's the case, it's, that's the case. But surely there's got to be a different way of punishing the club without punishing the fans. You know, another it looks like they're going to go down. Uh, if they do, it's it's we all know it's a long, long journey back. It really is. There's no uh, there's no given next year that you're going to be in the top 
to him again. It's just, it's so, so hard. So, yeah, it's very unfortunate. Yeah, um, Martin, I, th- I think if we try and put some sort of positive spin on this, obviously, you know, you, you've got experience of playing for Reading over many years and, you, you know, there's some successful times in that. And a lot of the, the newer Reading fans, they're used to, you know, seeing Reading in the Championship and in the Premier League. But of course, going back many years during your time, it was Division 4, Division 3, getting promoted from what is now, you know, League 2, League 1. Um, and, and, you know, wherever your club are, uh, whether it's in the Premier League or or League Two or whatever it might be, um, all the fans love a, you know, a team that's winning and getting promotion and winning cups and all that sort of thing. So the, one theory is that if, if we go down um, to League One, OK, we might not bounce back straight away. It might take a few years, but then you know, we might have a reset and and bounce back eventually and gain a bit of momentum what what's that feeling like because you've you've been involved in you know the talk about the simo cup final at, at wembley promotion the record breaking royals you know that fantastic season when reading broke the record for um longest time without conceding a goal and and those are kind of the the real special memories for reading so I suppose in a roundabout way, I'm asking you that even if the inevitable, well, possibly inevitable happens and Reading go down to League One, you know, it's obviously devastating to start with. But we hope that in in future years to come, we're going to see more success. Is that kind of a good philosophy, do you think, Martin? Yes, I think think you've got it right. From the players' point of view, if we look at that first, I think they won't realise they. They're probably not realising now. You, you, you know, the next game, the next game, the next game. They even ten games ago when it was, you know, they weren't doing so well. You just think it's never going to happen. You really do, and it's, I don't know how, how else I could explain that. You, you can see it, and you understand that you're at the bottom of the league or towards the bottom, but you just don't. It doesn't sink in, and when it will sink in, unfortunately, we'll be in the middle of their summer holidays when. That are sat somewhere and the t- and the new fixtures come out and they'll be looking and go, oh my god, you know we're not where we were last year. Look who we got to play. Look where we got to travel to. Um, this is not going to be good. Um, and, and and then the reality. But like you say, looking positively on that, then if the team stays together, if the good players they all good players, but if the very very good players stay and, and they can keep the squad together, there is no reason why you wouldn't see blue skies ahead next year and thinking, like you say, fans love a winning side and there's no reason why you get a good start. You could put 10, 10 15 games together and, and be at the top of the league, uh, which is what you hope for. But as I say, it's not a given, but the league is obviously, common sense would say, slightly weaker than the one they're in at the moment. And you would think, well, you know, turn a, turn a, uh, a forecast and hopefully... They would uh, get confidence back again and start winning games, and then suddenly you're going to get crazy singing and dancing behind you, and, and you never know what's possible, really. Yeah, and um, I think one of the big differences these days to to your time at Reading is that um, there seemed to be a lot more loyalty. I mean, you made uh, I'm talking about players to to clubs and and having that affinity with a particular club. 
I mean, you you made more than six hundred appearances, and you played with other players like Steve Richardson, who, you know, I, uh, he he made a lot of appearances over a number of years, and and you that was more prevalent back then, wasn't it? And obviously, things have changed now, um, and the chances are that the Reading team next season, if Reading go down, is not going to look the same. So, do you think that has an adverse impact on on teams these days? I- a hundred percent. Yeah, I hundred percent. I don't think the game's different. I mean, you you're talking of a long, long time ago when somebody getting a move from a club was a big thing, probably quite a difficult thing uh, at the time. You had to play particularly well uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks, or or like maybe like Trevor did, like score lots and lots of goals, got yourself noticed. But you know, there were there were sort of small moves. Um, but I don't think, and I think people were different. I think players were different. I think we we had a, a family group who you just love going to work. You love the, the the football, the the supporters, everything about the place. It it just you were you were just there. And if you signed, I mean, again in our days, you know, people said, "Oh, renew your contract." You were lucky to get twelve buckets. If you got a two year contract, it was like, "Oh, well done, you're great." I've got. Two years, you know. These people today, I guess, five and six year contracts, um, but they, they they're not. And, and there were no agents. We had no agents. I think there was a couple of them, but you know, only the big players had agents. But you did it all yourself. We were just. It was, it was so so different. You can't explain to somebody how different it is. Um, so these agents nowadays, and you know, I know a lot of good agents, and I know a lot of bad agents, but. You know they've got to make money. So how are you going to make money? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. Let's get so and so out ready, and we can get him a move to so and so. Whether he wanted to go or not, you know, obviously if it's a better club, then obviously you'd probably go to go and earn more money. That wasn't like that in our day. You know, you didn't have that opportunity. You didn't have agents knocking on your door or pushing you and saying, oh, "I could get you a move to so and so," like like they do today. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's that's everybody's choice. But uh, yeah, it is it is vastly different. And as you say, you can't see. If they go down, you, you cannot see the same side uh, staying particularly for, for too long. Yeah, Dylan, I want to bring you in now. Um, what, what do you want to ask Martin? Because obviously you you were at Reading not that long after Martin left, really. Um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't much of a gap. Um, but it was by then, it, Reading had started to, you know, change, hadn't it, from back in the 80s and the, and the 70s, going back further. What, what, what do you want to... Um, ask Martin Dillon. No, no, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, um, back what he's just said about agents, and you know, you you were you were judged on, you know, your playing ability. You weren't judged on agents uh, wanting to sell you to make to make money because the player was on form and he was having a great season. who was scoring goals, or he was the goalkeeper that was, you know, saving things. You know, it, it, it is different now, Martin. You know, from from when even when I, even I when I was joined Reading, you know, I had an agent, um, and it was it was it's one of the first. There was a couple of Leeds agents that got really really friendly, set up an agency, Leslie Harrison, Aidan, Aidan Evans, you know, and I'll be honest, I, I, you know, I loved the both of them, but they they didn't have my interest at heart. You know, they 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 made they made money from me. Joining Reading, you know, from from the football club, it wasn't it wasn't about me. It was just like you say, it's it's what they wanted to do. And when you played, you were you you were poached by a team. You were you were poached by a coach 
or an assistant manager or a reserve team manager or somebody that you knew that said, hang on, you know, we, we fancy you, we, we, we like what you do and, you know, would you come and join us? And now, as you said, these players are earning so much money on three, four, five-year contracts, as you said, that agents, you know, convince chairman because they've got all this money, they've got the parachute payments from the, the Premier League if they go down. Um, if, if it is true that Alf Angle, whatever his name is, Ireland or whatever his name is, not Alf, what's he called? The striker at Man City is on 900,000. Yeah, Ireland. I'm thinking of his dad. Um, um, he's on 900,000 pounds a week. Give it, give, oh my God. I mean, that's, you know, that's obscene. And and probably, probably yeah. on his contract, he's only on 200,000 a week. So he beats yeah. the tax man. Um, but we, we, you know, when you played, when I played, we played for the love of the game. We And, and like you said, we played for the fans. We played because we were given the opportunity to do something that we loved. We were lucky. Yes. We, we, we were lucky. Uh, we'd worked hard to, 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 to get that look. And now it just seems, you know, when, when I look at the Chelsea squad and look at the players that are not even on the bench, that are in the stand, earning stupid amounts of money, probably complaining and moaning and whinging because when you don't play, you always blame the manager, you always blame your, your, yeah. your teammate. I used to blame Tony Dorigo every Saturday, you know, because I couldn't get in the Leeds team. Gary Speed, I hated Gary Speed. You know, <laughs> I, I loved him, but I couldn't get in the team because Gary Speed yeah. was, was was you know, a breath of fresh air for Leeds. And you, you do get jealous, you do get envious because you want to play. Now you can sit in the sand knowing that you're going to get 150 grand a week, uh, knowing that you're going to go to training, train and, and, and go home and, and know that maybe the manager doesn't like you, but he signed you. Um, it, I just think, yeah, you're right. I think what you said, Martin, was, you know, 100% right. Yeah, I think I, I also, yeah, I say, uh, and um, I've been very lucky over the last, well, lucky on. Unlucky, but also lucky. Uh, unlucky because everybody's had COVID for the last two and a half years. But while it while it was working, I actually worked through COVID, where most people didn't. And I went to football clubs, which was fantastic for me. I absolutely loved it. Um, but obviously, on the negative side, COVID. But going to see first teams train regularly every day, and all 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 the Premier League sides, and it was it was just an, an insight of the, a, a different world. It was it was unreal. But the one thing I picked up on more than anything. There's very, very few players, genuine players, who I actually believe that if we took, if somebody took all the money away tomorrow night and said just a thousand pound a week, now that's it, one thousand pound a week, how many of them would turn up next Monday for training? And I don't think I came across too many out of all the clubs I went to. There were a few, but not too many who would actually turn up. And that's a sad. That's very sad. And if we did that again in our day, you'd have 99.9% of the players turn up. And that, I think, Agreed. is the difference. And that's, that's a, it's a massive it's a massive statement, but I actually believe that from what I've seen for the last two and a half years, they are so different and so in a different world, they don't understand what it, it, what life is about in a way. I don't. No, I agreed, Martin, and I'll give you, and listen, my team's next door, so I don't want to speak too loud because uh, we've got a big game tomorrow. But we've just come, we've just qualified for the semi finals of the, the Europe, Europa League, right? right. Um, the first time in history that this club's been in the competition 
but not only being in it, we were actually in the semi-finals, one game away from the final. The chairman had just give him a bonus, and it's 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 scary. The chairman has just given him a bonus of a hundred and fifty dollars for getting to the quarterfinals. It makes, I think, four point five million dollars for going to the semi-final, and he's given him a hundred and fifty dollars. Now, <laughs> my, my, no, but but my point is, right? They want they want half. They want two point five million of this. That's what they want. Yeah, you know, they don't. They don't. They, they're not bothered about the chairman's financial obligations. It's cost the chairman more than four point whatever million to get us yeah. into the semi-finals. Yeah. They don't see that. They don't see that. Now, we've we've had players go and strike and not turn up for training because they've not been given a bonus for winning a, for winning a league game. We've we've got the most we've got the fuck all of all games tomorrow. Sorry for swearing, but we've got the most amazing cup final ever. Because if we win tomorrow, we're safe from legation. Now, as I said to the players, stop expecting a bonus. Stop asking for a bonus. If the chairman wants to give you a bonus, that's fine. But you, I, you know, I totally agree with what you said there. You know, if <laughs> I deal with this every every single week. Yeah. You know, 150 quid is like having a thousand quid to these players mm. in, yeah. in Africa. Yeah. But, you know, to, to, you know, they, 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 they want, 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 take, 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 but they, they're not willing to give it back, you know, and, and, yeah. and that, that's the frustrating thing for me as a coach, um, both, yeah. you know, as a football fan and as a coach in this country. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny, bring you in now. Um, I know, obviously, you know, Martin was playing when you first started supporting Reading. You know, you remember Steve yeah. Death, Robin Friday, um, you know, and it was uh, black and white TV back in those days, wasn't it? Yeah, black, <laughs> and, white, well, black and white hair as well those days. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, bring you in now. And, yeah, and I was, was going to say, Martin, like, you know, obviously, you know, you see Reading struggling over the last few weeks. You've you've been in a Reading team that's been on the momentum of winning and losing. What's that like as a player? When you're, when how does it affect your, you know, anything, you know, mentality wise? Even back those days, everyone talks about it now. But when you, when you're on a run, or good or bad, as players, can you tell me how it how it feels when you're if if I knew the answer to that one, I think I, I, I'd, be, I'd make a million pounds a minute. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't know. Looking even now, looking back, and, and obviously we had the run of the when we never got beat for X amount of games. Uh, and, and we had, did you think like, about it at the time, or was it just game by game or match? You know, I, I think people are different. I, I, yeah. the, the biggest problem you've got, you've got. I mean, in our day, you had sixteen, seventeen players. Now you've got a squad of thirty or forty or whatever yeah. it may be. Everyone is so different, and so I could answer it. I yeah. looked at it, and, and people would go, "Well, that that's not very really sensible." And then other people would go, "Yeah, I, I I sort of did half of that, but not the other half." So, and so many, so many players, so many different characters. Personally speaking, good or bad, I was just a little <laughs> bit obsessed obsessed with it. If I'm truthful, I was just, I've got to win. Um, yeah. And I've got to do everything I can to win, but obviously you couldn't win everything. I looked at the players, the player I was going to play against, whoever it was, and I don't think, and I, and I was very, very lucky to play against some great players. And there was not one of them that I ever feared, not one. 
but obviously they were better than I was. But you, if you're going to go in, if you're going to go into the attitude, well, I think he might get three past me today. I might as well not bother to go on there. So you, and that that was good or bad. But when we went when we went through periods of three, four, five defeats, I don't think that alters it. Did, it didn't alter me. It was just that maybe I wasn't on song. Obviously, all the team were on song yeah. for those few weeks. And you did, yeah, you get afterwards when you walk in, you, you know, you're down for a few. Uh, it was because you've got beat again and again, but it, it's it, maybe that's just me, you know. Did you see it me. in other players, Martin, when you played with them that they changed because of the lack of confidence or? or the... Oh yes, yes, yeah. You had you had good good players, you know, the Bevs of this world and, and people who had skill, chalky white, and the lads with good skill, good touches, and silky skills, just just didn't seem to be flowing you know yeah. I, I was probably I was probably lucky in a way that I didn't have all that so I just <laughs> I just destroyed I, I basically stopped other players playing so the better they were the more difficult my job was yeah you know so looking at it logically um but yeah I, oh yeah goal scorers again you know you Ollie Kearns Trevor's you looking talking about Dino no he's not here but those sort of players who had great skills of putting the ball in the back of the net <laughs> You, you could see it draining from them at times. You could see it in training. They wouldn't shoot. You know, they, okay. you, you'd have looked and gone, he'd have put that in last week or a week, week before. So he suddenly passed it. And you go, well, why did you pass it? But if you ask them that question, they probably couldn't give you an answer of why they passed it. Yeah. They really couldn't. You know what I mean? When you watch it, you talk about Haaland, Man City guy, um, and then Rashford again. Look at the difference for Rashford now from 12 months ago. Yeah. And you, every time he looks at it now, you think he's, he's going he's gonna to score, he's going to score, he's going to shoot. But 12 months ago, it was like you didn't, you didn't even have that feeling, did you? Yeah. So so what that that's the feeling he must have. He must think, oh, I'll just shoot because he's going to go in sort of thing. So, yeah, everybody was different. Everybody, uh, obviously, position-wise was different as well. So, yeah, it's a very difficult question to – but that was my personal thing. I didn't yeah. fear it. I never fe- feared anybody. Always felt the same about we're going to win, we're going to win. But obviously we didn't, um, and that, uh, yeah, it's very, I, what more I can get into that I don't know. It's just yeah. And from the managers that you played under, how did that same same thing? I guess same question. But how how was their approaches with the team when you win or lose, or you you know was there were they different in in how they went about things? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, slightly different. Um, I always remember somebody saying to me once upon a time, you know, who motiv- who motivates the motivator? And it's a great saying because I always remember when I was at Charlton, um, Andy Nelson and um, the, I can't think of the, the first team coach now, but it would be it would be bleak of winter. It would be freezing cold outside. And he would come in in the mornings. Um, uh, and the more I talk about it, it'll come back to me. But he used to throw the windows open. And, and, and scream at everybody! What a beautiful day! You know, <laughs> you could see the hail coming down through the window. But he was that was that was the character. That was his job because if he came in miserable because yeah. it was wet and cold, what are we going to be like? Yeah. So managers are the same, aren't they? Who motivates the motivator? They've got to come in whether we've just lost three games, and they've got to be. We're going to win today. We're going to win today. We're going to do this. You've got to do this better. So it, it's it's a, fasc- a fascinating thing. But yeah, and, and some would. Some did it in different ways. Some did it as a group. Some some people did it individually. Spoke to people during the week um, and that sort of things. But you've got to know that's where good managers know their players. And yeah. there's not there's not one cure for everybody. Yeah. Who's I'm, your favourite manager? Oh, sorry, 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 Mark. Sorry, Mark. So I just asked this one. Who's your favourite manager, Martin? You... Um, 
I think, yeah, I think I've got to go back into but really difficult. I mean, uh, uh, Morris was fantastic. Morris Evans, when you, when somebody signs you and gives you the opportunity of a lifetime, then yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. But obviously, I had I had great times under Branny in Brantford, and so I'll always will always be thankful for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guys of today wouldn't it be great Danny, to be under Pep? What would you learn to be under Pep? I mean, it'd be incredible, wouldn't it? Pep at you know Elm Park. I mean? There's a thought, I mean, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, just want just want to ask you. He'd be in somebody's um, back garden there if he's at the Elm Park. Yeah, you you um, and the rest. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you just just want to say, Martin, we're we're slightly losing you off the bottom of the screen a little bit. Could you? That's it. Okay. Perfect. That's Thank better. you. Okay. Um, so, j- just picking up on what Johnny said earlier. That Simog Cup season, you know, Reading win a trophy at Wembley. What a fantastic memory for, for Reading fans. But you get, I think I'm right to say you got relegated, didn't you? So how do you yeah. how do you go from, okay, it's a Simog Cup. Other teams might not be, be taking it so seriously. But you, you had a bit of both that season, didn't you? You had, you know, that fantastic spirit and belief in the Simog Cup, got to the final, some great games along the way. Yeah. With the final, one of the one of my favourite memories, and the same for many other Reading fans, you know, at, with our time of supporting Reading. But then it, it just doesn't happen on on the on the pitch uh, in, in the league games. How, how do you kind of put that into terms? Again, again, you it doesn't make sense, does it? If you actually talk about it logically, it doesn't actually make sense. You've got. The only thing, the only thing you could say looking back was the fact that there were certain people who could not play in the, or could play in the league games, but could not play then in the similar cup for whatever reasons. And I'm not saying, I'm not blaming them and saying, well, you know, we could have done with them one week and not the next, but, um, yeah, there's no, there's no logic in that, but a cup game, again, a cup game on a dark Tuesday night or a Wednesday night at Allen Park with the lights on. It's totally different to a Saturday afternoon when the sun's shining at Doncaster or wherever. And it shouldn't be, but it is. Uh, there is no... And, and and again, like we played Coventry, didn't we? We played Nuts Forest, big, big teams. Uh, or you're, you know, you, you're away at Scunthorpe. It, it's, it's, it, it shouldn't be different, but obviously mentally it is different. Yeah, and just talking to you about two of those famous seasons, you know, the, the run of clean sheets you had... Steve Death in goal, and then obviously you were part of the, the record-breaking Royals, thirteen wins at the start of the season. Um, how much? Of, and I'm talking about both of those seasons. How much of that was down to the individual players? How much of it was down to managers, to team spirit, to confidence? You know, and how much luck was was involved? Because a lot of those games, for example, in the record-breaking Royals season, um, you, you went up as champions. Fantastic season. Um, but a lot of those games, you won by one goal. So, what's the balance between you know having a little bit of luck a- along the way as well? Um, yeah, good centre half. I think, <laughs> if you want one now, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Willie was quite good. Um, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, and, and it, it, it was it was a balance. And um, on the on the run, like you said, we went on that run, which was incredible. And there were there were games we were quite a few games we won one nil and possibly deserved to lose them, um, but luck was the other word you used. Again, it's 
massive in football and, and well, probably massive in life, I should imagine, but definitely in football. Um, I mean, I don't know whether you watched the game last night, uh, the the uh, Leicester game, you know, hitting the bar, hitting the post, and you just think when it's not your time, it's the other days they could have gone in, couldn't they? Um, so it changes the whole game. So, yeah, very, 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 very difficult to, um, again, point a finger and look what is the difference. I, I honestly don't know what the difference is, except maybe that just the cup games were cup games. And there were bigger sides and more adrenaline, more bigger crowds, obviously. Yeah, I've got one more question, then I'm going to bring Dylan in. Um, just talking about your role as uh, as a centre back, that that's a, like a, almost a different position now. If you look at you know Man City and the way a lot of the other sides play, they're, they're almost like midfielders who play at the back now, aren't they? What what do you see as, as someone who, who played centre back for for so many years with, with Reading um, as the big change in the, the way that the, the centre-back plays these days compared to your days? I think you've got to be different. You've got to be so, so different today because what I got away with, and I wasn't a dirty player, but what, what I got to go, what I tried to get away with or what I did get away with, I wouldn't be on the pitch for about 20 minutes now. Because <laughs> not not because it it wasn't deliberate, it wasn't it wasn't nasty or anything like that. But just you cannot you cannot tackle, can you? You can. The game is gone. You 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 got to read the game. You got to pinch it in front, uh, and, and all those sort of things. So yeah, I agree with you. A midfield player, a good midfield player, now could just drop into the back four and play because the goalkeeper is more of a defender, centre half than the centre half is. The only thing what lacks for me now, I think, and. Over the years, I don't think people know how to head a ball. I don't think there's. I mean, you can look at some great players in the in the pre, even in the Premier League, and they don't actually attack and head the ball. What they do is just stand and push each other, and then just try and get a little nick. You know, the, the art. But, but again, if they did it like we did, they would probably it'd be a free kick every time because the centre forward would just he would collapse in a heap, um, and the referee would be duty bound to give a free kick because he would make it look so good. We didn't have that in our day, and that's the biggest. Frustration for me. I watch a lot of football, obviously, and you you watch great games sometimes, but there are lots of times you think, for Christ's sake, get up! What are you doing? You you can you can actually see it in slow mo, and you watch it, and you think he's trod on his toe, you know, and and he and he's gone down. I thought he broke his leg, you know. It's just like <laughs> he's trod on his toe, and and it, it that's the that the bit I I really really hate that. I don't mind a little bit of pushing and shoving. And, and if you get injured, you get injured. That's fine. But it, it's so difficult for referees and, and nowadays. And, and, you know, that, 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 it's, it is absolutely impossible job because players have made it impossible. And that's the difference for me. I don't think defenders can de- defend like we were allowed to defend because you would just not be on the field for long enough, unfortunately. Dylan, bring you back in. No, it was just, it was just funny what he was saying. I mean, I, I, I remember... Um, the, the fans talking about Martin, he was touch tackle, <laughs> mm. you know, as a centre half, you know, the, the art of defending, um, I, I think it has it has changed. You know, as fullbacks now, you're your wingers, yeah. you know, you're inverted, you're inverted wingers now. You're not overlapping wingers, you're, you're inverted wingers. You know, there's 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 the playing between the lines, there's pockets. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's there's so many internet. Um, iPhone, iPad, sorry, iPad coaches that never played the game, 
that have you know now think that they 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 know the game because they can watch it on TV, and I think that the art of defending has changed. The art of defending is lost. Yeah, you know, like you said, the goalkeeper now is the centre back uh, because he, he has to play. Um, the 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 when when a goal's conceded, it's always a beautiful goal. Now it's never a you know a mistake from a, a defender. The the the, the rule. Rules have changed through handball and offside, and you know it. it I'm old school, I, you know. I I loved it back in the day where football was football. Yeah. You know now 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 everything's complicated. Now there's too many rules, there's too many regulations. Yeah. Nobody knows what's right, what's wrong. Yeah. You know, handball is the biggest contentious bullshit I've ever ever experienced. You know, yeah. uh, and I see. You know, you you look at the the, the 60s, 70s, and even 80s uh, when you know the likes of Bremner and Giles and nobody could touch Georgie Best. You know, because he was a wing wizard. Uh, but Billy Bremner and Norman Hunter, and, uh, you know, any Leeds United player would go through players that, you know, players now would never even, never even, you know, do it, what, what they're doing now. Like I said, this, you stand on the toe and it's like, the, you know, they're crippled, you know, and then it's a sad state of affairs when, when, they, when they do that yeah. and they look to get players sent off because of that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you there, Martin. Mm. But managers complain about it, don't they? Managers do nothing but complain about free kicks, free kicks, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Penalty. We should have got a penalty. We should have got a penalty. But who, who? You go back, go back ten, twenty years to when Cluffy was a manager. Who people said at the time, Cluffy was never going to. He was going to cut out all his players gathering around the referee and putting pressure on yeah. it. And they all went. They all went. He, he'll never be out. He, he, he can't do that. He can't do that. And he did it. He did it mm. because he was the manager and he brought his players up and his team up to respect the, the, the referee and not anybody got around him. Obviously, I don't know what he did, took wages off him or whatever, whatever he did. It worked. So yeah. no, don't tell me it can't work again. But you, we, there's so much money on it on every point now and every draw or every win. And managers are fearing for their job every three weeks. That They'll just turn a blind eye to... Just say Vardy going down in the box, they'll just go penalty. They know down well it, it yeah. wasn't a penalty. We all know it wasn't a penalty, but it's but if it gives you a goal and it saves you from getting uh, in the, in their case now it could be relegation. If it saves you mm-hmm. that, you've probably got hundred hundred million per quid you've just saved. Mm-hmm. So it's a massive change in the game, but it doesn't make it right to be like no. that. No, it's like I I we played we played a team from uh, Egypt on Sunday, and. The whole second half, they had the linesman. I mean, I don't know why they had the linesman on their side, but they, the the entire bench, the entire bench was was around the linesman and around the fourth official in every decision, throw-ins, free kicks, headers, any anything that they they obviously they they, they were losing. So, uh, and and I, I just felt, where, where's the game gone now? You know, where's the, where's the yeah. discipline in football? And 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 it, it seems to. It seems to have gone out the window now because you know players and 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 officials just for me have just you know ignoring the fact that it's 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 a football game you know it's a it's it's a game that's played by two teams and and it's and it's even you know and it, I, I was just I was horrified but that's that's more North African South African mentality to to how 
how uh, ferocious football is in Africa, uh-huh. and uh, I just I just sometimes think, you know, the discipline in football has totally gone now. Well, it's uh, it's anything anything players, to win, isn't it? Play, yeah, players get fined and they'll just they'll just pick out fifty grand out of the car and give it to the gaffer <laughs> and say, "There you go," and it doesn't bo- it doesn't bother them. No, we got fined. I got fined two weeks' wages. I got fined two weeks' wages by. Bobby Williamson Kilmarnock because I played uh, against Rangers at Hamden, the biggest game of my life, and I was absolutely pissed um, the night before. Mm. Um, and he found me two weeks' wages. I got fined eight hundred quid, uh, and I was mortified. Eight hundred yeah. quid was, and I had a reason. I had a reason for getting drunk that night, but we won the game two one. I had and I, and I was it was the best game of my life. But he still <laughs> fined me. Yeah, he yeah. still fined me. You know. Mm. Dylan, was I the, tried to cover it up. Dylan, was the reason that you got drunk was was it because you had too much to drink? Uh, just a wee bit, just a wee oh. bit. Matt Riley, Matt Riley, who's got a book uh, coming out on the fourth of May, um, which is yeah on Thursday. Um, he's got a book coming out, and I've got one whole chapter: fifteen-year-old uh, Balvenie versus Brian Loudrop. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. I even forgot. I, I couldn't even remember. I was that drunk. Oh, there you go. Well, Johnny, I'm going to bring you back in now. Yeah. Now, Mark Riley was a royal as well, wasn't he, for a while? Back in there. He was. He was. Sure, you know, sure Tommy Byrne brought him down. Uh, yeah. Didn't go too well for him. Um, him and, him and uh, Jimmy McIntyre. But, yeah, he was a royal as well. Yeah. Mark, I was going to say, like, you were talking about, you know, playing against these guys, like, now the forwards... What when you played when you played against uh, such strikers? Did it was pretty much what stayed on the pitch stayed on the pitch. Like you, you had battles, I'm sure, with some some pretty tough players. Um, who was the who was the toughest one that you would have come up against, and and and, and how was it? How did you know you must have kicked lumps out of each other because forwards gave as good as they did back then, didn't they? Yeah, it, it was um, oh, this endless really. I mean, yeah. Billy Whiter, Billy Whiter comes to mind as, as a a man mounted to play against and, and on the pitch, a horrible, horrible person on the pitch. Um, um, then you've got, yeah, I mean, I, I always remember the, the guy at Villa, um, Peter With was a very, very difficult, you know, and sometimes it's it's not the not the players you who give you the problems who you think they're going to give you the problems. Peter With was was unique as a centre forward in the fact that he was the only one I played against, um, and you'll all know because you're footballers. But like you, you you always used to sort of go left when you really wanted to go right. So you'd drop your shoulder, put me put me off if you like, and then try and get in front of me, or, or vice versa, go in front to come back. Peter With would stand still, and it was incredible. He would actually get into the box really really early, but then stand still. Uh, when they were building up the play on the wing, and it really gave you a problem because I, I hadn't played against anybody who stood still. They were always trying to get in front of me or trying to get behind me, but he actually stood still because he was such a six foot three powerhouse that he, he fancies his chances against anybody really. So that was quite an interesting battle. But yeah, there was a lot. There were lots of um, individual battles, and again, we go back to the modern football now. They you don't really they don't mark anybody in particular because no. the the movement of Man City. The movement of Haaland and, and, and De Bruyne and that is incredible. Yeah. So you could you could have him in your sights a couple of yards away one minute, but then it'll be somebody totally different the next minute. So we were more of we're defenders, you're attackers, we'll stop you, and so on and so on. 
So yeah, more personal again. Um, yeah, I think so. And you, you had great battles. Um, you know, John Fashion again, nasty piece of work on the pitch. Probably the nicest guy off the pitch, but on the pitch was 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 or could be quite nasty. But um, yeah, we you, you you can go on and go on. Yeah, like, no, nah, I did, different era, isn't there, it? There were no there were no easy games. Nah. Martin, nah. Uh, just want to ask you. Firstly, uh, I've got two questions now, and then I'll I'll hand back to to Dylan. Um, going back to that record-breaking Royals side. Um, it was quite a direct style. So Ian Bramfoot's kind of method back in those days was was to be direct, but with a purpose. So it was very effective. And then you had that whole thing about when you scored a goal, a player would, you know, go down, uh, you know, as if he was injured to stop the other team getting some momentum. And, you know, you're vulnerable when you've just scored a goal, all that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, you probably are never going to see that style of football again, are you? Oh no, 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 no. That's that's. I mean, I do a lot of um, children's football now, nines to sixteens. I work working for the Premier League, and I do a lot of those sort of football and football tournaments at weekends. Um, and even you, we've just done the tournament, under thirteens tournament at Leicester, which is a great tournament. You had your Man City's, Chelsea's, Arsenal's, but you also had Coventry and Sheffield United there. And, the, and the, the the difference you you would say straight away, oh, the difference is going to be well, they'll play copper football if you like to call it that, and the others will play a bit long ball. No, no, they, they're all playing the same way now. They're all give they're all getting the keeper on the edge of the box. Keeper's got to be good with his feet. Some are better at it than others, obviously, but that's the way the game is now. And yeah, the days when we <laughs> the days when we were you know playing the long ball system, like you said to a, it, to a, a good system that worked at the time um, and we made it work and you had to buy players in your squad who were willing to, to make it work. Um, and if you didn't, if, you, if your recruitment wasn't right and you had a player coming in who didn't want to do that, it made a big difference. So I mean, we had Mad Max, didn't we? Kevin Bremner who'd run through a brick wall and then run through it again, you know. So incredible player because he knew exactly what we knew what we to do with it. He knew where it was going. And, and so on and so on. But yeah, you can you can put systems in place. Obviously, Man City do put systems in place, but they're not that. But they are an incredible system and the way they play the game. Occasionally, it's direct, isn't it, from from Edison, but not not in the same way, obviously, as the record-breaking Royals back then. Um, Johnny asked you about sort of toughest players you played against. Um, j- just want to ask you about who you think um were were Reading's best players during your time at Reading and also you know what would you pick out as your own personal favorite games that you played in for Reading oh best player I mean the best goalkeeper it, it, all the time I was there was Deathy Steve Death was incredible um I know it's a long time ago now but yeah naturally gifted you you can't say anything different to that he was he didn't train well he didn't particularly <laughs> practice anything in particular he uh, I don't think he actually had handled the ball probably most of the week um and then on a Saturday you just there, there were shots people took me on or edge of the box stuff and somebody hits a 30 yard scorcher and you you just got that feeling it's going to go in the top corner and you turn you turn slightly and watch it and you just think oh god and then all of a sudden deathy comes across and you know one-handed flicks it over and you just think hey there how did he get to that? Like he was absolutely just an absolute natural. Um, and 
Um, games wise, obviously, I'm going to pick the Stoke Cup for the favourite of the favourite. But even early on, when I first started, I, I remember playing against Derek Dugan and John Richard, who played for um, Wolves, and we played them at, at Old Park. Twenty six and a half thousand there, and I think I was six months into my my my, my term at, at Reading. I mean, this is a lad who came out of a village, never been anywhere, and then all of a sudden, six months later, playing in a game of that was just fantastic. Uh, that's one one game I remember. Um, the big game, the, the, was it the Plymouth game, the four three? Well, <laughs> those sort of games. Um, Always remember Jukes's penalty in, in the in the semi final to get through to the you know and I was thinking who the hell was going to let who let him take it and then <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe it when we picked five and he was the, he was the last one and I'm thinking I look round I thought it's too late I, I can't I can't stop it it's too late and it <laughs> kicked the inside of the post didn't it, it went in and it was just oh, great fantastic but yeah some great great games and so so many and as you say. Um, I think, as I said, I think I said I've repeated it on this programme before I was the last time I was interviewed. I said I went down to a Reading game last year, got out of the car, and you just think you you just do not think that anybody would. Well, why would you know? You're looking thirty years ago or whatever. Why why would people want to be bothered about it? But it's unbelievable that the amount of people who remember that game. And I had a couple of old gentlemen; they must have been in their eighties who saw me and come wandering across and. And they just thank me for the best day of their life. And you, when you actually see, think of that, obviously it was the best day of my life. But I'm not. I've got to think. Well, I was so lucky to actually give something to some well, sixty-three thousand people. And so, yeah, you've got to be thankful in life. And I've enjoyed every minute of what I've done, and uh, and continue to carry on enjoying life. Yeah, Dylan, bring you back in now. What was Jilty like? As a young as a young player, and Quick. why 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 did why did why did he not with his pace and his you know and and his ability, why did he stay at Reading for so long? You know what what, what was it like as a youngster? I love playing with him. I love playing with him. Yeah, it's, it was a bit of a mystery, really. Why? Yeah, again, why not? Why didn't somebody come in? What? What? Maybe they? I don't know. Did they see just a little chink in the armour that wasn't quite? Right? I don't know. I really don't know the answer to that. I mean, I remember him coming and training with us and uh, quick wasn't the word. I mean, you know, we used to do uh, Friday morning sprints and he, unfortunately, whoever put it together put me with him, which was ridiculous. And, you know, on the word go, I might as well have stood still because it, it, it was just like unbelievable. I think they did it to boost his confidence, really. That was the thing that the idea was. Um but yeah, his his pace and ability was was unbelievable, really, and particularly at that time because there was a lot of quick people about. But uh, we had Keith Curl at the club at that time, who was very very quick, and yet those two over thirty yards, there's only one winner there, and you wouldn't have you wouldn't have put your money on on on, on too early on. You just would have gone Keith Curl, Keith Curl, and then Jilsey's come along and three three yards in it. Over thirty yards, which is incredible, but yeah, very very quick. No, I, I, I we spoke earlier to Ozzy, to Simon Osborne, and he's, you know we we had this. You know, did did you have a, a connection with certain players? We 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 spoke about me and Jiltsy, Ozzy and Parky, uh, Mickey Gooding and Scotty Taylor when he played right back, Quinny and uh, Archie. We all we we always we had this kind of like we were in sync with each other 
in in the areas of the pitch that needed to be. Did you have that uh, kind of sync with anybody? At, you know, your fellow centre back, your midfielders. You know, um, how, how was it? You know, with, with the team. Yeah, very much like that. I mean, always CV Rich was incredible. CV Rich was um, we obviously like the old fashioned line, if you like to call it, back four line, and we we used to play offside and whatnot. And you've got to be in somebody's head to, to play that. You've got to be in the same wavelength. You can't. I can't just step up when the forward makes a run and just go. Oh, I hope everybody else is coming up because it's not going to work. But I don't think over the years Stevie Rich was on. He, mm. could, uh, he read me so well he knew exactly when I was going to do it and when I wasn't going to do it and and how he did that I don't know he was absolutely incredible um Chalky Chalky was a great lad Chalky was was a a great talent but we both signed on the same day so we had a little bit of a a little history there that we both signed on this exactly the same day we didn't know at the time because probably one in the afternoon one in the evening I don't know but look going back up going back over time um, and Chalky could have played anywhere. I mean, he could have played left wing comfortably. He could have played left midfield. He probably could have played centre forward. He, he, he had one of those players who was naturally gifted again. But mostly defensively, I mean, myself and Curly, Keith Curl, Woody, played with Woody, big Steve Hetsky. You always get a partner. Um, and, you know, and you, you again, you, you, you've got to be in sync with each other. Um, so I think me and Woody were as, as good as any two, I think. Uh, and who's your, be- who's your best? Who was your best friend at Reading, on and off the field? Uh, Woody and still is, yeah. We've got Brilliant. we got a, we got an old boys WhatsApp group. There's about seven or eight of us in it, and we are still so. Steve Hetsky, myself, Woody, Sanch, uh, Wayne Wanklin, uh, Chalky, those sort of people. If there's anything at Reading goes on, and they invite you back to whatever celebration, you'll always find the core. Those five or six, seven people at the core who will always make the effort to go back and have a good day and a, a drink for old times. Yeah, and, and, the, and we've been to each other's sort of like garden parties or whatever it may be and birthdays and that. And the, the laughter and the fun for hours is is just incredible. I'm sure you 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 yeah. have it, Dylan. I wonder how many present Reading players will, would be in a group in the next. 30 years. <laughs> not, not a cat in house, Jack. It won't be WhatsApp, will it? It'll be something else by then. But anyway, um, Martin, I just the wanted to... The millionaire's pot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, obviously, you know, going back to your time before the proposed uh, merger that Robert Maxwell planned um, in 1983, 40 years ago now, can you believe how long ago that was? Um you know, there's been so many changes at Reading since your time at the club. Uh, Reading nearly went out of existence in 1983. Um, obviously, the merger was was blocked, and then uh, Roger Smee came in as as chairman, and and then Sir John Medeski <clears throat> went into a different level, and it's kind of gone a bit wrong since then. And we're on the brink of relegation to League One now. What do you, you know? What do you feel about Reading FC as a as a former player and all the changes that have happened since your time. Oh dear, I mean that's again an incredible, incredible amount of years for number one. I mean it's um, the merger we spoke about last week on the radio. Actually, somebody phoned me. And, uh, I did an interview about the uh, the Oxford nearly merger, um, and you say like forty years. It's just it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, 
But uh, yeah, those all the times all over the years, different chairman, different different times. Sir John, who's done so well. Um, obviously, the people I don't know them now, but um, you know, I'm sure it'll come it'll it'll come back again and do well again. But yeah, I, my my feelings for the place are obviously <laughs> incredible. I mean, it was it was something that I, something I wanted to do in life, and I don't think as I said probably said many many times. There's not many people in the in in life anywhere you you meet are actually doing what they really really would like to do, and I did what I wanted to do, and I'm just forever grateful for that. Reading gave me that chance, um, and as I say, history was made, and uh, I'm very very lucky to be a tiny tiny part of it. Uh, well, I I disagree with that. I think a very big Reading's <laughs> history, all those appearances, and you know some very happy times. Certainly for me as a Reading fan, many other fans as well. Um, but of course, eventually you did leave Reading. You went to Birmingham. You went back to sort of near to where you you grew up. What? How did you come back to to that decision? You you were at Reading for so long, and then you decide to go to Birmingham. How did that come about? Well, it, it wasn't. A, it wasn't again different times. It wasn't a decision that I made. It was. Um, the truth of the matter was they offered me a new contact at Reading. Um, it was the time when I think the new manager came in uh, and there was a contract on the table um, for only for a year, which is my age then, 33. Um, it would be a year at a time. Um, I was thinking about the, the, the new offer, um, still in the process of thinking about it. The new manager come in and then that offer was taken away. Now, that was... The truth of the matter, with I mean, it's a long time ago now, so it doesn't really matter whether people believe it or not. But that was the truth. So I was actually not going to continue at Reading anyway, whether that because there was no contract on the table. So um, it was a, I was a, I was a free agent because of the rules in those days. Again, after you had done so many years, you, you were free to free to leave. Um, and I was lucky because, again, I could have gone anywhere, couldn't I? I mean, I wanted we what we as a family by then married with with kids, we wanted to go back to. The Midlands-ish, somewhere, somewhere near a home, if you like. Um, but I could, you know, if Doncaster come in, it was the only club, or Sheffield Wednesday come in, and they were the only club, then I'd have been off there. So very, very lucky that Birmingham come in, and I just really couldn't believe my luck. Um, and uh, I went on tour to Ireland with them. It was interesting. When I tour, didn't sign a contract. When I tour to Ireland just to see how fit I was have a look at each other really and then we came back from Ireland and then I signed a two-year contract and to be honest it was a new lease of life for me it was uh, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have been happy to stay at Reading I would have been another, another two years I felt as I could play I could still play um, but when I went to Birmingham it was a completely new lease of life it, it, it really was it was a different atmosphere different different players for the start different training sessions different everything was different so it was just like walking into a new experience and I was like a, a kid in a sweet shop really unbelievable yeah and I, I'm, I'm going to I know Dylan's having a few uh, connection issues but I'm going to try and bring him back in a second but before I do that um, obviously you left Reading you went to Birmingham and then you liked the Reading area so much that you came back down. And I think you became player manager of Newbury Town, didn't you, for a while? Yeah, yeah. When I left Birmingham, I had a choice. I could have gone to Shrewsbury Town for my final sort of one-year contract, if you like. But um, it was there was 
issues there that didn't sort of meet my criteria, if you like. And then I got the offer. And again, Morris was involved in that. Morris knew um, the chairman at, at Newbury Town. And so Morris had pointed that out, got that working and got that going. And um, I'd done my badge by then. I'd done my full badge. And I just fancied a, a, a bit of a change. Still play, still player manager. So, uh, and we were, we were good. We were successful. Brought a few of the old players in. Um, and yeah, we had a great time for probably three years, nearly three years, I think it was. I had a very good going, going, everything was going well, going in the right direction. We got promotion a couple of times and we were on track again. And then unfortunately, um, things outside of our uh control was the um, the owner went uh, went bankrupt. So you know, one one night, one day you got a job, the next day you hadn't. Uh, and and you'd had a taste of management, did you ever kind of? consider the possibility that you'd like to become Reading manager at some point? No, not really. No, if I'm, if I'm truthfully honest, um, I don't think I, it, it, I had three years at it and it, and um, I think it wasn't for me. It's probably the easiest way to put it. I don't think I'd passed the stage. I was, as I said before, as a player, I was a little bit obsessed uh, over the, uh, you know, passionate. All the all the words I'm trying to think, not to try and be clever about it, but just that that's the way I was. I couldn't help but be 150 percent of everything I did, and and I got to the point then. Now I'm married with three small children, and I want I I, I passed the stage in life of wanting to be away 96 hours of the week. I just I I, I really had passed that stage. I wanted to be at home with the, the children, see them grow up. Uh, and we were very lucky because as players, we were at home in the afternoon quite often. So I'd gone through that experience of watching my kids picking them up from school and et cetera, et cetera. And, you, and it, it become a routine which they liked and I liked. And I, di- I didn't see myself putting myself out for the amount of hours they worked for the very little they actually got back. I mean, it might be different today. <laughs> I'm sure Pep's on a little bit more than was on offer for me. But, you know, you You've got to put everything in perspective, and I didn't see, and I didn't get the feel. I didn't get the same feeling as a player. I didn't. I just didn't. It didn't do it for me, you know. And it, it doesn't do it for some people. Yeah, uh, and Dylan, I, I know you've you've got a few connection issues there, and there's a big storm. I think. Are, are you still with us? Can you hear us? Oh, he's gone. We've no, we've gone. Lost. I know. I, I got a message from from Dylan. Um, you might have heard a bit of background noise. Um, there's an electrical storm where Dylan is in South Africa. So I think we've just lost him. Okay. So, um, no, I just, just want to finish off by saying um, thank you ever so much, Martin. Been an absolute pleasure to have you back on the, the podcast talking about the current Red Inside and, and your memories and, you know, whether you think so or not, you are absolutely a, a, a Reading legend and all those appearances and, and that success during that time as well. So, Thanks ever so much for that. And, and just a reminder that on tomorrow's episode, our guest will be another Reading legend, Trevor Senior. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.